Hey guys, I'm Jenny Taft. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. This is Tony Berluti. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hey, this is Ralph Shaheen from Fox Sports, the home of Supercross. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. And I'm a Niner fan. And we're going to take the Cowboys down. Yeah. Main event for you on that. I'm starting to think there's nothing uh, Daniel Blair can't do really well. Yeah, I'm digging this new EP. It's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, dude's got a voice, man. He's got a voice for uh, singing. He's got a voice for commentating. He's got a voice for podcasting. I mean, next thing you know, we'll be seeing him like run for governor of California or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's funny you start say that. Oh, yeah? Why is that? <laughs> He's very interested in politics. Yep, yep. Yeah, I kind of gathered that a little bit just from a little bit. I've I've heard him speak of it, but, yeah. I mean, got to have somebody sensible in there, you know. He right. seems like he might be a good choice. If I lived in Cali, I'd vote for him. Sure, absolutely. But uh, he's uh, he's a little too sane for them out there, I think, <laughs> you know. But we'll we'll see. But anyways, episode 70 of the Moto X Pod Show, brought to you courtesy of All Sport Dynamics. <clears throat> Excuse me. Visit motocrosswristbrace.com. Get yourself the same braces worn by Weston Pike, uh, Austin Forkner, Adam Cincerillo, many others. Uh, guys, I, I went riding uh, when? Um, Sunday. Sunday. Don't even know they're there, man. It's awesome. Love wearing them. If you see my pictures on Instagram, you can see I got them on both sides. And uh, I don't particularly need them, but I would rather have a preventative there just in case I do jack something up because I don't ride that well, so it's very likely that I will eat shit at some point. But anyways, guys, motocrosswristbrace.com. Give them a ring. Shock socks, the original, a number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. Leaky fork seals are no fun, so get shock socks. Easy solution. Burnmotorsports.com. Visit your local dealer for details on how to get yourself a set of shock socks. Highly Come highly recommended by all us guys here. MX Girl Designs. Well, Char and the crew, or Char, she is the crew, uh, put out a really, really good product at a very, very reasonable price. And uh, so, if you would like to get a custom set of graphics for your dirt bike, uh, email Char at mxgirl.com. Guys, that is G-U-R-L. And uh, hit her on Instagram at mxgirl or Facebook, mxgirldesign. Same thing, G-U-R-L all the way around. Uh, it's just Muscle Mark Dark side in the house. What up, man? What's up? Yeah, TJ's at Freestone with Doc right now and then headed back to work. Back to the desert. They've been uh, 
hardcore racing all weekend, I guess, with arena cross and no, they, they, no, they, skip, they skipped, right. they skipped, they skipped Denver. Skipped That's right. Yeah, that's why we were able to go riding Sunday. Yeah, yeah. wouldn't have been here. Cool. Yeah, they're but um, they're doing some racing, which I wish I was doing some racing. I just want to go riding again. Screw the racing. I'll do it. But it's, uh, if, that, if that means I can go riding, I'll do that. You know. So skip the uh, skip the first round of that Moto Master Series we've talked about, and uh, just it was a good thing because when I got out here Sunday to ride, I didn't have the. Uh, any kind of stamina. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty disappointed I missed out on that, but yeah. it is what it is. All good, though, man. St. Louis Supercross has come and gone. Eli Tomac won by murder on the 450 class. I mean, there was <laughs> it was never close for anybody else to even have a chance to win that deal. He ran off and hid from everybody, and uh, what a good ride by him. Yeah, it, it, it people are saying it was kind of boring, I guess – to some degree, it was boring, but he put on a pretty amazing ride for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, in that realm, yeah, I mean, it was just there was no contest. You know, it was it was him, and then there was everybody else. And God dang, if he could do that eighty percent of the time, he really would be okay. You know, yeah, it just seems like he has those whether you want to call them mental mistakes or just whatever it is, lapse of uh, I don't know concentration. Who knows? He just makes mistakes. So yeah, he'd be the most dominant rider in the world probably if he. Would quit making mistakes. Yeah, and uh, he's that guy. He should be that guy right now. And maybe you know, maybe after this year, he turns a corner and becomes that dude. I don't know. I mean, it's he. He is the best one out there by far, as far as just pure speed wise. But I mean, Anderson's been consistent and ain't touching his points lead unless something happens to him. And it ain't looking like anything's gonna happen to no, him. No, he's just he's riding smart. You know, I mean, I asked him about that. I said, you know, do you about whether he wants to chance it or not, and he's man, he he, he wants to win every race, but he's be, he's still not going to throw it away either. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't blame him. Like, who cares? Take second, yeah. take third. Who gives a shit? Like, your points lead is, is uh, the points lead is all that matters at the end of the year, right? You know, yeah, he's already won. Remember anything else? Nah, he's won four races already. That's a respectable number of wins to win a title. I've seen Jeff Stanton win a title, win in one race. You right? Know? Yeah. I mean, it happens. So yeah. Well, what do you, who cares? Like, well, Ferry won the uh, 125, Super, 97, 125, what is it, East Coast. Mm-hmm. No no race No wins. wins. He doesn't right. care. I guarantee he still tells everybody, you know, that's his <laughs> title. still so championship, yeah. Who cares, right? But tell us about your trip to St. Louis. Oh, wow, man. Uh, as usual, when you do that stuff, there's just too many things to talk about in 10 minutes. But um, first day I got there early, Thursday morning, went ahead and went to the 5 a.m. Uh, local press, watched the guys ride, watched Cunningham. That's kind of early. Well, I couldn't sleep. I was up anyway. I woke up at like five and I was, well, I can't go back to sleep. I'm just going to throw my shoes on and go on. And mm-hmm. I went over there and they had catered breakfast. That was really cool. Oh, nice. So I ate breakfast and watched those guys ride. And Cunningham came up really, really short on the triple after the first rhythm section and, you know, damn near knocked the wind out of him. That was kind of gnarly. And just got to visit with a lot of those guys. And then I helped TPJ set up, kind of was part of that team for the day. Cool. Uh, Ted, Ted was really cool. Took me to dinner that night. Hung out with the Intknaps a little bit, visited with those guys and uh, Dustin Pipes and all his guys. Just it was cool. And then Saturday, you know, typical race day, doing interviews, talking to people, uh, hanging out. Uh, Berludi and uh, JB10, all those guys were super cool. Zacho, you know, just remembers us from being at Dallas and Houston. Good times, man. There's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's so many things I can't even wrap my brain around it all, right? You know, they remember you, and more, but more importantly, they remember the ponytail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of mentions of the ponytail this weekend, and I guess somebody started a Twitter. <laughs> but hey, at least it's not greatness. Like greatness. it's not, you know, the the other ones like Ping's mustache and Daniel Blair sucks are like bashers, and yeah, the dark sides 
ponytail or tea or whatever it is has been cool so far. Well, anybody that knows you knows that ain't that ain't how you roll. So yeah, you know, they, well, they, they, they'll call cry. I mean, hopefully they'll call foul on that if he ever starts that bullshit. Right, but. and I didn't like realize like it, I, I, we were stuffed in the elevator leaving the press box to go to the press conference like so packed and yeah, Mathis was behind me and he was sneaking pics of the ponytail apparently <laughs> and but yeah I had guys in the press box like holy shit your ponytail is long <laughs> I was like yeah it's pretty funny uh, that's what started it right there was that down was Mathis all that oh, talk Mathis does about the yeah. ponytail yeah him and Weege and those guys kind of started it at Dallas and then he talked about it on the show a couple different times and yeah now it's now it's famous, I guess. Well, you've officially arrived if you have a parody account on Twitter. So <laughs> I guess uh, it was uh, whoever whoever did that. You're awesome. Good good on you. That I think it's I think it's great. I really do. I kind of feel like I saved uh, social motocross social media Saturday night too because you know I mean who's the king of social media motocross? Wait, who do you think? Mathis. All right. Well, he his battery was about to die on his iPhone, and he hit. I was like at the other end of the press box, and he hit me up on Twitter. I have to give credit to Hal, actually. Hal told me, hey, did you see Mathis's tweet? And I was like, no, nah, what are you talking about? He needs an iPhone charger. His battery's about to die. No. And I happened to have one in my bag for my iPod and walked down there and took it to him, saved the day. So you guys are welcome. Yep, yep, you're welcome. Because he was doing all the Racer X tweets that night. Oh, well, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it's just a great experience. I say that every time. It was really cool. Everybody's so welcoming. and Yeah. yeah. You know, we got to sit down with Eli Tomac this week, which we haven't ever done before. Cool. Yeah, so. you broke through on some of the A-list dudes, but uh, guys, bear bear with bear with me tonight. I'm a little under the weather trying to trying to do this, but we're gonna I got we're gonna uh, have Mr. Jordan Jordan Smith from TLD KTM on Chase Marquier, JMC Motorsports Husqvarna. Then we're gonna have Mark Finnickstein. Is that how you say it? I can't remember from last I, time. Yeah, I think it was Mark Finnickstein from Finstein or something. Yeah, was. It, from Alta Motors will be on, and uh, we'll chat with all those guys. Quick break. Be back with Jordan Smith. All right, guys, we're going to get to our first guest. This man won the uh, Daytona Supercross uh, this year, 250 class winner, TLD KTM's Jordan Smith. Jordan, what up, man? Uh, not much, guys. Just uh, hanging out after a good day riding. Right on, bud, right on. How uh, how you feeling after this weekend? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, just, uh, just trying to put in the laps. It's tough in the middle of the season after a few weekends of racing to uh, – keep pushing um during the week but uh gotta do it and uh because everyone else is just keep pushing and keep getting better every weekend and uh keep trying to put on top of the box yeah you definitely just like last year you know have been improving throughout the season but let's talk about what you just said how do you stay motivated when you don't really feel like getting up and going riding like how do you make yourself go is there something you do something that you put in your mind that to motivate yourself for that particular day no, I mean, really, it's just days like, you know, that I had in Daytona where you uh, everything goes good and, and you get a win, and that's what we're all working for. And, uh, you know, that's why we, we race dirt bikes is because we like winning, and uh, and it's fun to win. So uh, that definitely helps motivate you, and uh, it's a lot easier to get up there in the week whenever you have a good weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the weekend I can imagine. Right. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so man, like I said, you're you're uh, you're not far out in points. Um, every year you're getting a little better. You know, I was looking back through some of your uh, career highlights, and 
some low lights with injuries. 2016 was pretty rough. Um, yep. So, you know, you, you, you had a back injury after at the finals in Vegas. Um, you had an MCL tear outdoors, broken navicular, and which is you know, ankle, I guess, and uh, at the straight rhythm. Navicular is your wrist. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, my, my navicular and my uh, ankle. Yeah. Oh, it is. Is there yeah, two? I, the article I was reading said something like most. A lot of people think it's your wrist, but it's actually your ankle. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, but yeah, well, I think a lot of people say navicular when it's your wrist. Ignore me, Jordan. Ignore me. Yeah, yeah. The the skateboard is your wrist, and then the navicular is in your, is your, in your ankle. Is what I was told. So yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's what the yeah, art, article said. Was, uh, yeah, 2017 was. Um, I mean, it started out really good. My best year in Supercross, and then it was just kind of like one thing after another, and uh, and kind of ended up kind of rough, and and you know, just had to. That's whenever it's really tough to you know just get up in the morning and, and keep pushing and and stuff, just because it seems like just nothing's going your way and nothing's going right. But uh, you know, it's just you kind of create your own luck, and you just have to get back up and and keep pushing and keep working and. And you know that if you just put in the work and put in the time, that eventually you'll get back to where you want to be. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, was that the same year you got uh, fifth at the at Monster Cup on a 450? Yep. Yep. That was. Uh, yeah. It was just last year. Yeah. Oh, that. Okay. That was. That was. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, you have the talent. You knew you had the talent and the speed to run with these guys. I'm sure the the injuries were a little bit. Um, probably hard on the on the. Uh, the motivation, but you you came back and yeah, seventeen man, you got a couple wins and almost won the championship. Yep, yep, I uh, had a good year and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good to finally you know get get some wins and get that monkey off my back. It was uh, for for me, I felt like you know I could have been doing that for my for my first year pro and you know just it just wasn't working out and sure. I was struggling pretty bad and uh, I was a lot tougher than. You know, I really anticipated um, my the start to my pro career going, and uh, so you know, just kept working, working at it, and uh, yeah, on Supercross last year, everything started kind of clicking, and um, and got a couple wins back to back there, and was you know getting on the podium pretty consistently, and and that was really good for me. Well, well t- jumping back to that for a second, sixteen was a really really rough year. You were still with the Geico guys. Come to uh, start in 2017, you move over to uh, to the Troy Lee Designs KTM. Do you attribute a little bit of that just just having a change, just getting a fresh start? Did that kind of help re- rejuvenate things a little bit? Yeah, it did. Uh, it did uh, for sure. I mean, the guys at Troy Lee Designs, you know, they uh, they took me on board, and um, it's been you know, I, obviously, I didn't really have that great of results um, before I came, but. You know, they just, they treated me really well. And, uh, you know, whenever I, you know, wanted to try something or, you know, wasn't comfortable with something, we, we figured it out and we got it worked out. And, you know, I definitely attribute that to having such a good year in Supercross last year. And everyone, every single person there is, uh, has been really good to me. You know, from uh, TK, our team manager, he's, uh, he knows how to push the riders really good. And uh, even though he might be a little hurt sometimes and whatnot, we just know that he has our best interests um, in his heart. And, uh, and you know, just everyone from my mechanic there, you know, the suspension guys, truck driver, everyone there is uh, it's pretty awesome. And uh, we all just work together really well, and, uh, you know, because we all want the same thing. And that's for, you know, everyone on the team to do good and, and to get wins and, and ultimately get, get the team its first championship. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Cause like I said, I want to go back to last year at Vegas and I, and I know this is not a great memory, but when you were leading that race, first of all, before you crashed, did you know that you had the points lead at that moment? Yeah, because I, I came into the into the race with the points lead, and, uh, and That's right. I didn't know where Osborne was, but um, I came out of the start and third, and Joey was right in front of me, and uh, he fell on the first lap there after the finish line, and then, so at that point it was just, uh, I think, AC in front of me, and so I, I knew that I had the, the points lead then, and, and uh, yeah, so I know. Yeah, that that was pretty gut wrenching. Um, how long did it take you to kind of get over that, or did it really? Did you let it bother you at all? Just, I mean, you're still only your second year. You know, you got a long way to go. How how did that affect you? Yeah, I mean, it it did bother me for sure. I mean, uh, but at the same time, it was like you know one of those things where it's like you know maybe it's just you know not not the right time yet. Right. And uh, and you know just have to. There's nothing to be good about it. Then. Uh, to start the year, it was like, you know, the new team and I, the, the previous two years before that, I hadn't really, you know, had any good results. I had one podium, but I was really inconsistent. And then switching teams and, you know, all I wanted to do coming into last season was just put in some good rides, get podiums, you know. Um, if I could win a race, that was, that was great. And, that, I mean, that's what I wanted to do, obviously, but, you know, it wasn't. It didn't seem like you know I was coming into the season like, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy to win this championship. And then, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a slow start there. A couple races, second, third, fourth race of the season, and then uh, I started really getting things going. And uh, Osborne had a few problems, and I, I closed up the points gap quite a bit. And uh, yeah, and then I took over the lead of the championship going into the final round. And it was just like you know, really wasn't expecting to be in that situation. Um, so to be there was, you know, I felt like I had nothing to lose because, um, no one expected me to be in that situation. And, you know, Osborne's been here quite a few years and he was kind of expected to win. Joey had almost won the year before he was expected to win. And then there I was leading the points and no one would have guessed that I was going to be leading the points at the beginning of the season. So, uh, so, you know, it was, um, it was it was tough for sure to to swallow that pill after the race that you know I I didn't get it done because it was you know right there like I I had it and I just made a mistake and and that costed me so that was that was definitely tough but you know it's it's you don't have much time to dwell on it especially with outdoors starting right. right away and stuff and and you know you just have to get back to work and just kind of uh, forget about it but learn from it at the same time absolutely. So then coming into 2018, um, you know, you were definitely more on the radar this year, but quite honestly, a lot of us in the media is, you know, a lot of people were given pretty much given Zach Osborne, the championship almost coming in. Does something like that motivate you or do you care about the media's perception or the fans perception or, or, you know, does, do you use that as a driving force? Yeah. I mean, I try not to care about, you know, whatever the media or the fans, stuff say but at the same time it's like you see you see that stuff and it's it definitely uh it definitely motivates me a little bit more whenever I see you know everyone kind of discount me and especially after the first two rounds I went six six and it wasn't really the start that I wanted but um I knew that 
in my mind, I knew that everything was, was good. I was good still, and, you know, everything was going to start going into place there soon, and I just needed to keep pushing. And, uh, and yeah, it definitely, definitely motivates me whenever I kind of feel like I'm counted out a little bit because um, I feel like I've, I've done enough now to kind of earn the respect to, of, you know, being one of the guys that can go in and win any weekend. And, uh, yeah, I just have to just keep doing that stuff just to, to keep that respect. Well, one thing's, uh, one thing's for sure is that uh, Osborne and Forkner <clears throat> need to probably be careful with each other because <clears throat> they're, they're, one's liable to grenade the other one at any point, <laughs> and that's not going to be good for them because you're sitting there already ready to pounce as it is, and, and it just let them let one take the other one out, and it'll be, uh, it, should, it won't be that hard for you to go ahead and take that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, – we still have, you know, basically half the season left. Um, and in this half of the season, we have two shootouts, uh, two East-West showdowns, and uh, um, and one triple crown race. So, you know, there's a lot of points still to be made up, and uh, anything can happen, And uh, especially this weekend going into Indianapolis. I mean, uh, really, there's a lot of points, I think, to be made up this weekend. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it can go – good for you it can go bad but uh you just have to put yourself in the best positions that you can and and uh just do what you can and and uh get the points that that you can to try and to gain on zach and and awesome yeah are you looking forward to this uh showdown as they're calling it <laughs> yeah i am uh i think uh you know it's i raced joey and and they see a lot last year and uh it'll be good to get on the gate with those guys again and uh it's been a long time since i raced uh my teammate shay mackerel so uh yeah i think that'll be fun you know just to kind of gauge off of those guys and uh and get out there and mix it up you know it's uh it's a little bit different just because it's kind of like um we're not necessarily going against each other kind of it feels like because it doesn't matter you know if he if you know shane beats me or i beat him you know it's we're not going against each other. We don't, sure. you know, so, Makes sense. Uh, but we're still going for, for every point that we can, because, uh, you know, they do the points by what place you get. So I'm um, still going for every point that we can. And, you know, just, uh, there's going to be a lot of guys though. So I think getting a good start is going to be that much more important this weekend than uh, any other weekend. Is there any different uh, strategy for a race like that being, cause it could, it can throw the trajectory of, of anybody's season off and multiple guys' seasons off very easily. So do you just approach it like, hey, I'm just going to be consistent, I'm just going to get through this, or do you just go for it like you usually do? Yeah, no, I think you just have to go for it. I mean, I think that, you know, there's not much that you want to change, especially in a situation like this where there's so many points that could be made up. Um, you know, if, if Zach or Austin, you know, have a fall or, or if they get a bad start, and I get a good start, and then it's it's tough for them to come through the pack. There's going to be so many fast guys there. So I think, uh, you know, you just have to keep your same mindset because, you know, every weekend we're trying to win no matter what. And uh, so I think I just need to keep that mindset going into this weekend and uh, and just, you know, get a really good start. I mean, that's the pretty much the story uh, of the whole season and every race is get a good start. But it's just so true, especially whenever you have guys like Zach and Austin that, you know, if they get out front early like they did this weekend against me, it's—I mean—it's pretty much impossible for me to catch them. So, um, you know, I just have to get out front, and uh, even if those guys get out front too, just uh, battle to the end with them. 
Right. So do you think the East has an advantage coming up this weekend since you guys have been racing the last couple weekends, or maybe the West because they've had a little bit of a break to recover? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I think I would rather be in our situation where we've um, been racing for five weeks now. Um, I kind of like that better. I'm a bit more into the flow of things and, and that stuff. But, I mean, really, it's we've all been doing this for so long. It's just, you know, we show up and, and we know what we need to do. Uh, we know we know our routines going through the day and uh, whether we've had a weekend off of four or two weekends off or we've been racing for five, it's, you know, all the same thing and, and mm-hmm. we're all trying to do, all trying to win. So uh, at the end of the day, I don't think it uh, makes a huge difference, but I, I would say I would definitely rather be in, in the, our, our shoes being on the East Coast than, uh, than coming in kind of cold turkey. Right on. Yeah, that, that makes sense, I think. Because, yeah, those guys would be a little, probably a little bit off. I think they most of them have been doing a little uh, outdoors testing. So, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully you'll get the lead, and a couple of those guys will be in between you and Zach and Austin maybe and get that points a little tightened up. Yeah, that would be, uh, be ideal. Yeah. Ideal situation for me this weekend. Absolutely. So, hey, let me ask sure. you about the, uh, the scrub whip at Tampa that uh, kind of caused J-Mart to go off the track. Did you guys discuss that after? Uh, no, we didn't talk any after that. Um, I actually, uh, I actually didn't even know that it happened. Um, I actually, I came off the track and I thought that he beat me in the race. Um, I didn't even know that he went down. And, oh. Um, I didn't know that he went off the track or anything there. I had no idea. So, uh, um, yeah, and then we, we did lap him, but I thought that, Whenever we lapped him, I thought that he had gotten sketchy in the whoops and then um, and then kind of cut the track accidentally and then was letting us back around it. I got you. So I came back to the truck and I was like, I asked, uh, uh, I asked TK, I was like, what what happened to Zaymar? And he was like, oh well, whenever you uh, you messed up there and, and you scrubbed, he jumped off the track and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I was like, I I didn't even know about that. I was actually talking about. You know, I thought that he had went off the track and, and got in front of us and then was letting us back around. So, um, yeah, I mean, but the same exact thing happened to me later on in the race uh, with Davalos. He squared me up there. Yeah. And I ended up jumping off the track and crashing into the same spot on the concrete that Jeremy did. So uh, it was just kind of, you know, just the setup of that jump and everything. It felt like you had a bit more room there on the edge than you actually did. Well, talk talk about your uh, your team manager Tyler Keith a little bit. He's kind of le- legend has it. He's a little bit intense. Um, how how does uh, what kind of how much of an asset is it to have a guy like that around? Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he uh, he puts so much thought and you know effort into making sure that all of his riders have every tool that they need to you know that we need to to do our best and perform our best on the weekends. And, uh, and he really, you know, helps us out with, um, you know, finding ways to get better here, get better there, or, you know, figuring out which line's the fastest. And, and, uh, and all he wants to do is just see us do good. You know, that's, uh, that's what he's there for. And, um, and as long as, you know, as long as we've done that 100%, we, we try our best. He never gets mad at us or anything. You know, he's just there to, to make us get better or help us get better and and uh he does a really good job and definitely helps to uh attribute a lot of my success in the past year or so to, to him 
um, being behind me and, and, and his knowledge uh, helping me out whenever we get to the races. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, so my last question I've got for you is it's kind of a standard question I've been asking everybody this year. Um, the, the changes that Feld has been making, like the Triple Crown and the, you know, the shootout or the showdowns, they don't want to call them shootouts anymore, I guess, with all the yeah. things going on anyway, with the showdowns and then the time main events. How do you feel about those changes? And do you think it's good that Feld is trying to change things up to see if they can make a better program? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, anything to, to help our sport grow is, is awesome, you know. Um, and even if it, if it takes a bit of, you know, trial and error, trying to fix things with, you know, I think the there's a few things that the fans and, and the racers didn't like at the first Triple Crown, and, you know, they tried to change a couple things for the second one, and I think uh, as long as they're open-minded to, you know, just doing what's, best for the sport and it seems like they are and uh and as long as it keeps growing i think it'll be really good uh you know it's we have a, a pretty small sport but it's definitely growing quickly i feel like and um anything that i can do to to help that would would be awesome and and if they want to try you know different different systems and and that kind of stuff to help it i think it's great uh, uh, that's a good answer man i like it heck yeah man well hey Jordan, we know you're a busy guy, so we won't take any more of your time, but thanks for coming on and chatting with us tonight, bud. Appreciate it. Yes, yes, sir. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It was good. Anytime, was- man. Good luck Good luck the rest of the season. Uh, you, you're doing pretty good, man, so uh, we're behind you. Have a good one. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. You thanks. too. Thanks, Jordan. TLD, KTM, Jordan Smith. Now, wait. What's the deal with this shootout thing? I haven't heard about this. They're, they're calling it a showdown. Probably because of all the shootings lately, so they didn't want to call it shootout when did this When did this change? It's just the way they've been wording it, like on TV and stuff lately. Oh, really? I didn't catch it, but uh, Blair and Mathis mentioned it. So I'm assuming it's because of all the stuff going on. But, yeah, they're they're trying to change. Right. They're using showdown. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's cool. Uh, You know, I don't kind of don't blame them. I mean, right, it's right. kind of a legit thing that's yeah, happening yeah. right now. So yeah, so I I normally would call something stupid if I thought it was stupid. <laughs> I don't really think that's very stupid. So you no, know. I mean, I, I, it's a good idea, I think. But uh, anyways, guys, we're gonna take commercial break and be back with Chase Marquet. Hey, Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses shock socks the original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals. So if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. In business since 1989, Broadway Power Sports and Tyler strives to provide a superior product with superior service. From motorcycles to watercraft, their full parts and service department, they can get you taken care of with great brands like Can-Am, Polaris, Yamaha, Suzuki, Sea-Doo, and Victory. And don't forget they have firearms too. Broadway Power Sports is your one-stop recreation shop. Broadway Power Sports can match any online price. They can have most orders by the next day for no extra charge. With a friendly staff that offers a personal touch with a smile, 
How could you go wrong? Call 595-6288 or click broadwaypowersports.com and save. That's 903-595-6288 and tell them Moto Xbod sent you. Dark Side here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com. And that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L. And tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. You got the one snowman on eastbound and down. Hey guys, Muscle Mark here. I want to introduce you to my friends over at York Welling and Fab. From new construction, truck beds, barbecue grills, and anything else you can come up with, York Welding and Fab has you covered. With deep motocross roots and 20 plus years experience, York Welding and Fab is a brand you can put your trust in. Call Carl at 903-780-7369. That's 903-780-7369 and tell him Moto X Pod sent you. All right, guys, welcome back again. Big shout out. <clears throat> All Sport Dynamics, Shock Socks, and MX Girl Designs. Coming up next, uh, JMC Motorsports Husk Farnas, Chase Marquier. Chase, what up, man? Oh, not much. Uh, just got back from a day's riding, doing a little bit of bike work, and um, about to eat some dinner and get ready for tomorrow. Right on, buddy, right on. <laughs> so, yeah, where, where, are you, uh, where are you living at? Are you up in Oklahoma, or where are you at? Yep, I uh, just got back home to Oklahoma a few weeks ago. Was out in California for a, for a while, and then uh, came home for Oklahoma for the rest of the year. Right on. And and who do you train with up there? You still with Guy Cooper? Uh, no, just kind of doing my own program right now. A um, little bit of help from a couple people on the outside. Just riding at uh, Trakenard's old place, which is uh, Bobby bought it. It says. It's HSBK. It's a, a superbike team. Actually, oh. they were from Texas, and they bought the place and kept the tracks going, kind of, kind of letting us ride it and take care of it. So, I'm super thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, tell us about what you got going on this year. You know, uh, you know, what um, you, you've had a couple uh, privateer seasons. You know, where are you at right now? How's your season been? Um, yeah, it was kind of a late start. Actually, I didn't really know what I was going to do in the off season. I was trying to figure out how to how to go racing on the West Coast, um, full privateer, and do it by myself, kind of out of my van. And then JMC Motorsports actually called me and was like, "Hey, we'll we'll take you racing. We'll help you out a little bit." And I was like, hey, "Yeah, let's do it." I drove out to California, and <clears throat> they had the the bike ready for me. It was just it was a little bit to get used to at first. I've been on a Honda for so long, but uh, I, I adapted to it and um, just uh, did the West Coast Supercross. Kind of a little bit of a struggle the first first few rounds. Um, and then I finally got into the main at, at A2, and then and then I got in the main at Oakland. Not really the results I wanted, but we're working hard and hopefully try and finish out this season strong. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent out there and a lot of good teams. And, you know, what's your motivation every day to, to keep going? I mean, you're um, – I know you want to make the night show. You want to make a main event. You want to win. You know, I mean, 
when you're having bad nights, how do you stay motivated for the next week and to get up and go practice that, you know, dur- during the <laughs> week? Oh, uh, just, man, I'm, I'm hard a worker when I put in the work all week and then I, I go to the race and I don't do how I think I should. Obviously you, you get bummed and get a little down on yourself at the time, but you know, as soon as you get home, you're like, man, I, I work way too hard to, to be doing this. So, you know, we're going to try that much harder this week and go into the next week and with everything you got. And that's kind of, kind of how I'm looking at it right now. I've been working really hard on this, on this break, actually doing a few 450 rounds and, Hopefully, come out swinging at Seattle. Yeah, now doing 450 rounds. You're riding a 250, aren't you? In that class. Yep, uh, riding the 250 in the 450 class. Talk about uh, talk about that a little bit. What kind what kind of a uh, struggle slash challenge has that turned out to be? Um, you're definitely underpowered quite a bit. <laughs> it's a it's kind of tough when you get in those tight situations in the pack, and you know they have that power to you know pull through if turn the loops or a rhythm. That's what I kind of noticed last few weekends, but. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think it's helping me for when I get back on the 250 West Coast. Right. You know, I'm still it's not going to be like hopping back on a 250. I'll already be used to it. So I think it's just a little bit more practice for me. I think it's a good thing. Was that the uh, now? Was that the uh, the deciding factor for it? Hey, let's let's just keep racing. Let's stay fresh. Or, or, or what's what what spawned that decision? <laughs> um, you know, I kind of always had the plan all year was to race a few East Coast races on a 450. But, uh, you know, the season didn't really go as planned. So I was like, I'm just going to stay on the on the 250. And I didn't, actually didn't have any plans after after I started the season to go east. But, uh, a few people were like, why don't you? And I was like, uh, yeah, might as well. So <laughs> we're down to Daytona. Bike was on the rig already. So signed up. There's some, there's some white backgrounds on and, and racing. And I'm glad I did because I had a blast. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty pretty awesome experience. I would think you got to do. I mean, Daytona's very unique it's a legendary so yeah just the opportunity to go out there and line up and do that was probably worth the the trip and you know even if you were underpowered a little bit yeah I, i've never been to daytona um either so i've always kind of wanted to go to that race you know it's one of the most historic supercross races there is so yeah. just to go there and kind of experience it and, and the fans were crazy and <laughs> you know hitting out of the nascar garage and everything it was, it was a cool experience well I, I find it really um impressive that after meeting our producer tj you still came on our show yeah ha, ha. you you weren't just completely creeped out about that or what <laughs> no 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 not at all he, he seemed like a cool guy he came met me in the stands and kind of let me know what it was all about but heck yeah i'm all for it that's cool yeah he's not here tonight his son's racing at freestone so he's out there and then uh he's got to drive to west texas tonight to go back to work so He's not here tonight, but we really appreciate him uh, we, finding you. Chase, we would give him the same shit if he was sitting here. It wouldn't really matter. <laughs> it'd be worse. Yeah, it'd probably be worse. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I was kind of looking back at your career a little bit, and it looks like you came straight out of Loretta's and went into the uh, RC road to Supercross. Do you feel like that program was beneficial to you, or did you just have – I know you had to do it to get some points, but do you really think it helped at all? Um, I don't think it helps me in any sense, because, um, you know, I rode, I raced Monster Cup and Amstrad mm-hmm. All-Star class, so I already had a little bit of Supercross time under my belt, um, but, you know, I'm not one of those kids that was, that was hating it. I, I enjoyed it, and, you know, I got in there and got my points, and I raced the races, and, you know, I was done. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty good idea. I think the, 
what they got going with ice dams for supercross. So a few of the rounds is, is a little bit better idea. Right. So. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's a big difference to, between arena cross. Well, and to get ready for supercross, what better way than to be on a supercross track? Right. You know, I know arena cross is very similar, but it's still not the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's pretty far off from a from a supercross. It's so tight, man. Yeah, a lot, lot of dudes. Uh, I mean, if you need to get prepped for uh, for getting, you know, your wheel front wheel sawed off, that's a great place to go. <laughs> but uh, you know, as far as the rest of it, I feel like Supercross is where they need to be. Yeah, that's another thing. You're, you have all these amateur kids hopping into the the series where these guys are battling for a championship. It, you know, it definitely pisses a lot of those guys off. So yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Hey, so I'd asked you about about Guy Cooper, and one of the reasons I brought him up is he's my favorite rider of all time. So, do you you have any stories about working with him back in the Crossland days, or um, oh, maybe what you learned from him? Because <laughs> the guy's said, pretty crazy. Chase said, "Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Uh, see, when I I got signed onto that motorsport Crossland team, I did a year amateur, and then I went um, into the it took me a first year pro, right? And so I rode up there in Stillwater with Guy quite a bit. And, you know, he helped me out a lot. Always there, but yeah, uh, that guy is crazy. He's the craziest fifty-three-year-old dude I ever met. We were actually <laughs> we were in California one weekend or one time, and he was like, "Hey, let's." I think I was riding at Milestone, and he's like, "Let's load up and go to the hills." And I was like, "All right, let's let's do it." So we went out to Beaumont, and uh, some of the jumps that guy was doing was just insane. He was he was definitely showing up me and you know. Brett Q, Bill Lindovich, who's showing us who the man was, that's for sure. Yeah, he is definitely not scared. I can remember if, if – Coop will be 78, still trying to talk somebody into going and jumping that kind of shit with him, I yeah. bet. 100%, yeah. Yeah, like I, I've told the story on here a few times before, but my very first Supercross was 1990 Anaheim. Tracks were very, very different back then. There was this double-double section that today's standards would almost probably be like – couple little whoops or something but everybody was double doubling through jeff stanton you know all those guys were double double and, and i didn't know who guy cooper was all i knew is there was some guy that was quadding the doubles and i was i don't know 14 15 years old and i was just blown away and that from that day on guy cooper was my guy didn't matter if he was in the back of the pack he was still whipping it still having fun still smiling he, he was just amazing yeah, that's I believe that. I, I heard a story. I, I think it was actually some supercross overseas. Is back when he was kind of in his prime. There was a the finish line, and it had like you know how the finish had banners over the yep. top, and you know all the guys are jumping it, not even getting close to it. And I guess there was another like single out past the landing, and he decided to try and land on that single, like make it a triple. <laughs> and I guess he clotheslined himself from the banner on top of the on the rafters so <laughs> yeah uh, i've heard that story so yeah uh, there, there's some truth there he uh he, he he was travis pastrana before there was a travis pastrana yeah 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 buddy Antonez was talking yep. about uh <coughs> cliff jumping cliff jumping with coop and, and coop's idea of cliff jumping and his were were, were miles apart different and uh, he was just like wow you know <laughs> So uh, you also trained with uh, Mark's favorite rider of all time, I think, a little bit, Robbie Rayner. Shut your mouth, did he? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I trained with Robbie uh, 
all the way up until about a year ago. I I lived at his house from when I was about ten years old to last year. I'm like as jealous of somebody as I can ever be of anybody of you right now. Like Robbie <laughs> is just my hero. I don't know why he just always thought he was just a bad dude. You know? Oh, he was. He's so much finesse and smooth, man. It's, it's unreal. A good deal. Well, tell us about uh, your your future plans. You gonna re- try to do the outdoor motocross season this year, or w- what you got coming up? Um, right now I'm just uh, I'm going to Indy this weekend. I'm actually gonna ride the 450 class again. I'm not gonna do the East West Shootout since I'm not in the points or anything. Right. And then uh, finish out uh, Seattle, Salt Lake, and Vegas in the 250 class. And then um, I would I would like to do the outdoors. I don't. My team was kind of talking about doing the first three, you know, since they're kind of on the West Coast. Right. Um, so if, if they do it, then for sure I'll be at the first three rounds. Um, but if not, I don't really have any plans on going and doing them. Right. How do you feel? Uh, like, do you feel like you're superior at outdoors compared to Supercross or vice versa? Where do you excel? Um, I, I think I have more fun on a Supercross track, but – I think I'm I'm pretty good outdoor rider too. My my first outdoor I ever did actually was in 15 right after the Reds, and I got 14th. So I wouldn't say I'm I'm bad on outdoors. Um, if there was an opportunity to do them, I would I would like to do them. Yeah, it's just it's really hard when you're driving on your own and yeah, you know, there's not much money in it either. Uh, well, yeah, with that all, with that awesome outdoors. purse money they have, I can't imagine why more yeah. guys don't want to do it. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good, right? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't understand that. Like, I mean, I kind of do, but I kind of don't. Like, I don't know why anybody, why the pri- I mean, if you show up to that deal, it is strictly for, you know, the love of what you're doing because it is just not. It is a money hole to try to get to the uh, the summer series, as some like to call it. You know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if. I know they they got to be making quite a bit of money from the fans and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, but personally, Supercross isn't much, you know, it ain't much better for how much Phil makes on a weekend. Right, right. Hey, Chase, so. let me ask you about the Costa Rica uh, deal. How did that come about, and how did did you enjoy it? <clears throat> um, yeah, Colt, Colt Nichols actually went down there in 2014. Mm-hmm. He, he won the championship and built a pretty good relationship with the people down there. And then... Um, this year, they wanted to bring bring some, uh, you know, Americans back down, and Casey Huntley was kind of in charge of it. And he got a hold of me, and he was like, "Hey, if you want to come race, like, you know, you can come down. And you'll be riding the 250F class." And so I was like, "Man, you can't can't really beat that opportunity." That sounds like a blast. Yeah, I didn't have any plans for outdoors, so went down there, and it's it's a weird uh, schedule they have down there. It's like one to two races a month, so. I think the series started in, in March and and went all the way to November. So oh wow, it was, yeah, it was a long series, but it was a blast. I was I was happy to to wrap up the championship with with even missing around from when I got hurt in Seattle last year. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, it sounds like a great experience, and it's it's pretty down there, isn't it? I mean, the scenery and everything. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's uh, we had a few races at the beach, and that was really cool. And, I mean, they weren't like sandy beaches; they were rocky. But right, still a hell of a <laughs> hell of a life experience. Yeah, I've never even been out of the country, so it was <laughs> cool to go down there and kind of kind of experience that, and you know, see the culture, and you know, everyone down there was super nice. 
actually, and the food was great. So, right it on. Was cool. Good deal. Good deal. So, hey, I got one last question. Um, I, I was looking through some social media stuff, and you had a pretty strong opinion on everybody bashing Austin Fortner for the, the cross-jumping incident. Why don't you tell us how you feel about that situation? Um, man, I think if, if you say he did that on purpose, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> I agree. It, it, you're, you're pushing so hard, man. Your heart rate's at 200. and <clears throat> you, That face had ruts on it, and he kind of got a – he pinned it out of the corner and kind of got a lean to the left. And, um, you know, Osborne even went a little bit right. Right. And they kind of just came together and um, – I mean, it's not like Austin's going to try and get landed on. So, yeah, that, I think that was my opinion of it too, and, and it it's kind of strange. You know, look, there's keyboard warriors out there. We consider ourselves quote unquote media. We 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 voice our opinions, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine any racer purposely cutting over in front of another guy in the air where there's no control because I mean, it's liable to get you killed. Right. Um, well, I haven't look, heard of any other media guys that disagree with that theory either, you know? No, I, I think, yeah. I, I think like Adam Antonat was pretty adamant that Fortner did it on purpose. Yeah, but, it, you know, but, so. <laughs> you know, and, and Adam, or Austin admitted he was coming over to take the inside away, but he also said that he didn't expect to come over that far, that the, the rut kind of got him. So, yeah, anybody thinking that he was intentionally trying to take uh, Zach out is that's that's a little far fetched, but I was just curious because yeah. I like the way you voiced your opinion like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand he probably did have the intentions on coming over a little bit, you know, trying to block that inside corner yep. for the the next corner. But uh, yeah, like some of the comments I was seeing were just brutal. I was like, man, these people even know anything about their bike? <laughs> Come on! It makes you wonder sometimes yeah. about some of the fans we have because they will say the dumbest <laughs> shit, and you're just like, dude, where are you from? This this has to be made up. It can't be right. real, well, you know. Oh, when yeah. I saw oh, it yeah. live, like before I backed up and watched it, I I was kind of pissed off because it first glance it looked like he cut over hard. Anyway, back backed it up and watched it in slow motion. It's like, oh man, you can see him leaning back to the right, like he's trying to uh, fix it. It that's, was, you know, it was an accident. That's what I kind of thought too. At first, I was like, oh, that's kind of questionable. And then they did that slow mo play, and and you can even see him, like he got a lean up the face, and yep. even when he was in the air, he was trying to go back right. Like yes. he was. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate situation <laughs> that it happens. But, hey, that's racing. Stuff happens every time they line up, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, Chase, we know you're a busy guy. You got bike work to get back to, so we won't bother you anymore. But, hey, man, appreciate you coming on, dude. Awesome talking to you. Love hearing about it. Yeah, thank you guys so much for bringing me on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll talk to you guys soon again. Oh, you will for sure. We'll probably bug the shit out of you. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> All right, Chase, be good, dude. Thanks, man. Okay, that's all. All righty. Chase Marquier, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, good interview, man. I love, you know, I have a special place in my heart for the privateers anyways, the dudes that struggle, the dudes that have to use safety wire to put shit together on their bikes half the time. You know what I mean? Like, Chase seems like a cool kid. Never met him in person, but, uh, you know, good luck to him the rest of the year. Yeah, that was cool, man. He was, uh, he was a pretty cool kid. I, you know, I've never talked to him. I, hadn't, I didn't see him at the race this weekend, mm. and, yeah, it was a really good interview. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. Privateer Island is full of just – diamonds in the rough that you could just interview and have good good content from for days you know you won't get the same yeah i uh, robotic I spent, answers i spent some time i got a few uh 
privateer numbers this weekend at St. Louis mm. that we'll go through. And, uh, yeah, so we'll have a few more of those guys on. Did you talk to Greco then? I did talk to Greco. Yeah, but you, you – uh, Tell, you that, story, tell that story and, about Greco and Press Day. Oh, yeah. Tell it. Okay, so I – like I said, I woke up early, couldn't sleep, went to the 5 a.m. Press Day. Yeah. Greco's over there, and all the guys are sitting around at the gate before everything starts, and uh, he's telling the guys, yeah, man – I got the call just a little while ago to come over here, and I was already at the, I was still at the bar, so I was like, "Oh, come on over." <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That's so privateer, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was. I was like, "Oh, that's nineteen nineties, right?" I'm there. about to say in, in the in the nineties, that was a uh, Phil Lawrence and uh, you know a few other dudes. So absolutely, Chad Reed himself has been rumored to uh, show up that way, and of course, Jason Lawrence probably did it a bunch. Yeah, I've heard those stories. I'm cool with it. Whatever. Yeah, hey. I mean, do what you do, you know. Yep. So if I, if that had been me back then, I'd have been at that level. I would have probably still been at the bar too. So, uh, but hey, man, uh, quick break, and uh, we'll be back with uh, our last guest, uh, Mark Finnickstein from All. All right, guys, we're going to get to our third guest of the evening, Alta Motors, Mark Fennigstein. Mark, what's up, buddy? Not much. Good to be back on here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think it was what, last summer when we had you, had you on last, something like that, last that, year. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it, it was a little after the Nationals, I think, because we had talked to some of your guys up at Lakewood, and then we were trying to make a connection after that to make this happen. Yep. Um, well, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, lot lots been going on in the in the world of Alta motorcycles. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, re- the recent changes and what's happening with you guys? Sure. Well, there's there's two big pieces of news. Um, the the first one was the launch of our MXR uh, 2018 motocross model um, with some pretty significant <laughs> upgrades over um, the uh, the 2017, which became the base model for 2018. Um, 20% more power, depending on how you're riding it, 25% or so more, um, full power range, uh, lost good six or seven pounds. And in our experience, it's, it's been the fastest thing out there on, on most, uh, most tracks all the way up to national scale. Yeah. So I'm going to, I listened to Chris Kiefer's, uh, podcast he did on this thing and I'm going to kind of read off some of his notes so this is all from Kiefer with this the redshift mxr is the 2018 models come in with new forks new shock um it's, it weighs in at about 259 pounds wider and sharper pegs grippier and softer seat um ba- better battery life and a new cooling system were the the high points that he uh pointed out so it sounds like this thing's ready yep. to go yeah, yeah, those are the highlights, and and actually, it's um, you know, it isn't apparent on paper, but it, it was a a much bigger effort and change than than it looks. Um, the entire high voltage chain on the the bike uh, was was completely reworked in order to um, raise the the bike's overall power levels and, and thermal capabilities. Um, that's separate from the the change to the cooling system, which we just went we went to a sealed system, which is lighter and cleaner 
um, than the uh, the open system that could um, drop a little bit of coolant on uh, on hotter days previously. Um, but really, yeah, it's within the, the the battery pack, the harness, the motor control, all um, had to be uh, pretty significantly reworked to squeeze that that additional power out of it. Yeah, and and oh, go ahead. Real happy with where it landed. Chris mentioned that it was very noticeable. Like these these changes were very noticeable. Um, he and he said it's com- it's comparable to a three fifty two st- or four stroke is kind of where you guys are basing it off of. Yeah, we're um, you know, at, at about uh, fifty horsepower on the dyno. The three fifty is the the best comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like with the um, the twenty seventeen bikes, you know the power is and the torque is so usable and so controllable that some riders are going to be faster on it than, than anything else. Um, and you know, some conditions you're never going to put down the, the horsepower that's between 50 and 55 in the four fifties. Um, and I don't think you'll find a bike with more usable 50 horsepower than, than the MXR. So, um, 350 is the, is the, the easiest thing to compare it to, uh, and depending on your style and your, your skill set, Um, I, I suspect, you know, 90% or more of paying customers are going to be faster on a bike than anything else they can throw a leg over. Well, I'll tell you what, my skill set's not very high at all, and uh, so <laughs> I might need something slower than that, but that sounds like a fun bike to have. <laughs> that's why you put it in map one, which is a beginner setting, apparently. Hey, that's good. That's where I need it. Yeah, so- yeah and, and, you know, compared to the, the 2017, which is my bike is, and, and I didn't, it's, it's uh, pretty significant. Um, different so i didn't upgrade to the 2018 because i don't know if you remember from last uh last show but i'm i'm actually a crossover rider i'm the slow guy among the three (laughs) founders and so i'm not using all of the 40 42 horsepower in the in the 2017 um i did i'll admit upgrade my suspension um but you know i'm the ceo i get to have a kit right and uh and you know swap the pegs um but uh, for me, there's no there's no big reason to make the move. Um, but you know, for the folks that can use the, the that space between forty and fifty, um, you'll really feel the difference. Right. Right. Hey, talk about a little bit about the uh, the, the suspension upgrades. What where they were, where they're going to now. Sure. Um, so the uh, and, and everything I described about the 2017 remains true about the 2018 MX base model, the non R Um, that one, uh, you know, we, we took the approach where we figured um, serious, you know, most serious riders are going to rework their suspension anyway. So we tried to match the suspension to the, the kind of person that wasn't going to rework it. And um, that makes for pretty soft and really more trail oriented works well for me but um it it uh is probably on the soft side for folks that you know motocross is primarily what they do right um so there, there's two major changes uh one is we, we definitely went to a much stiffer um valving setup and uh the other is that we went to the air fork up front um which is you know cuts three pounds and um is a is a, a better damping setup for for most conditions. More more versatile, more tunable. Uh, really, it's a great fork. Yeah, he Chris raved about it. Um, one of my big questions is 
Well, he, he mentioned that like the suspension from the 17 model, the MX, does not transfer over the MXR, so you can't, or the rear shock doesn't anyway. Um, but my, my biggest question is battery life is probably a huge, huge question from people that are considering buying one of these. You say the new battery, I think you said was 25% longer lasting, is that right? Yeah, this this gets a little technical. Okay. I'll try to describe it in in words. Um, but actually, before we we jump off on the shock, so the reason the the shocks aren't compatible between the MX and the MXR is because we also made changes to the linkage and right. we want a faster link on the MXR. So someone will probably figure out how to you know retrofit and swap between the two, but it, it's not something that we support at uh, factory level, and, and it's not just a straight swap. Um, on the battery pack, so both packs are 5.8 kilowatt hours, uh, which is the you know the same total amount of energy in those packs. So if you're tootling along at five miles an hour, those two bikes are going to go the same exact distance. The difference is when um, when the bikes hit uh, power limiting, which is kind of a reserve mode. We we take a little bit different approach to reserve, where we don't just cut the power down to like 10 horsepower and make it a limp mode. Mm-hmm. We figure you still want everything the bike can safely deliver. Cause you might be in the last lap of a race. I mean, we want you to never hit that moment when you're in a race, but if you do, you definitely would rather have 35 horsepower than 10 right. for, for the, those last laps. Um, so it sort of draws down progressively. You'll hit that, that point much later on the, on the MXR. Um, for folks that know what I'm talking about, the, the battery pack experiences less voltage sag. Um, when you when you sort of pull on a battery pack, the voltage actually sags momentarily, and then when you let off of it, it pops back up. The new pack does that less. Okay. So it, it doesn't hit its lower voltage limit as soon. And so that's why I say about 25%. So for someone who's the, sort of the faster and more aggressive you are, uh, the more you'll benefit from that new pack. And if you're a slower rider like me, you know, it might only be uh, about 10% different where gotcha. that, that thermal limit hits. Okay. So with the advancing technology and batteries over the next few years, are you going to design the systems where somebody who spent a lot of money on a 2017 model can put a 2019 model battery in once the, you know, once those improvements keep going or are they stuck yeah. with the 2017 technology? This was, this was one that, that we definitely uh, went back and forth a lot on internally. Um, the original intent behind the, the battery pack was to keep it backwards compatible, you know, for as long as sort of this, whole generation of redshift exists in the market. And, and that was part of the reason why the pack is designed for easy swapping. Um, what we, we realized was to get, uh, we, we could get significantly more benefit out of the upgrades that we were making to the pack. If we also made some upgrades to the harness and the controller mm-hmm. and, and, and on the whole, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to establish ourselves and we have to put the best product out there that we can. And, and so that was the decision we made for the MXR was to, to push it as far as we could at the expense of backwards compatibility. So unfortunately um, to do a, a swap 
from the MXR to the MX or to the 2017, you'd be replacing all three of those parts, which would mean tearing the bike down to its right. spare frame and something like $5,000. So okay. someone with a, a 17 that wants the 18 uh, or with an MX that wants the MXR is, is much better off, unfortunately, selling the the base model and, and buying the R version, okay. um, which is, is a bummer, um, you know, especially – our, our early customers are the ones we love the most. They took right. the biggest risk on us. They spent the most. Um, so it's always a, a hard decision. It definitely, uh, yeah, definitely cut me deep. But um, well, it, it sounds we like you're doing to make it. Sure, like I said, we put the best product out yeah. out there. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing it for the right reason for product um, for for the good of the product over just trying to make more money. So that that's that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I I do anticipate, but. Uh, I wouldn't promise it because it's, if anything I promise, I'm sure is going to come back to bite me. Um, I don't think we will see uh, another major system level change like this, where both where the harness and the inverter um, are are upgraded simultaneously. Gotcha. So uh, I don't I don't think we're going to see a major battery um, improvement you know, next year. But within this generation, if we do ever come out with another step forward and battery there's a good chance that that one will be backwards compatible awesome awesome shifting gears just a little bit um as far as your your dealer program how many dealers you guys have it seems like i see a new one pop up all the time how's that working out for you guys man i've lost track i think we're over 50 um at, at this point uh we were we were getting close to that figure before we announced the the mxr and um <clears throat> that launch went really well and i know it, it's been a, a great bike for the, the dealers we already had, and, and it's attracted a, a bunch more. Um, plus, we only actually opened up um, the Midwest territory uh, pretty late last year, or even January of this year. So, so they're they're playing catch up and growing fast. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're over fifty now. We have coast to coast coverage. Uh, some folks have a couple hours to drive but um we're we're getting getting there that's awesome now talk a little bit about the uh the partnership with uh, harley davidson it was just recently announced i mean that that's a big thing for you guys yeah so that was the second piece of big news uh, and, <laughs> and it all happened at the same time which might be why i'm i'm knocked down with a cold right now <laughs> um yeah uh you know, really exciting, um, the kind of partnership that I didn't anticipate when we started the, the company back in, in 2010. Um, you know, we had talked about uh, partnerships along the way and, and um, who would want to work with us. And, um, you know, uh, they will, um, the, the backstory is uh, they got a hold of a, a 2017 MX. And they were really impressed with it. They saw a lot of, of things that um, hadn't hadn't been applied to electric motorcycles in in terms of design, the engineering, the approach to quality and manufacturing. And they thought that that might be an opportunity for them to expand their plans in in electric. And so. Um, some folks might be familiar with the Harley Davidson Livewire, mm-hmm. which was a concept bike that 
they unveiled, they built close to 40 of them. They did a nationwide demo program, I think, back in 2014. Um, that was actually really successful, really well received by both their their uh, customers that were already buying Harley Davidsons, which I think was a surprise to them that, that it was so positively received, and lots of, of new customers. And that's both of those are really important for them. So um, I think their CEO uh, Matt Levitich, um reiterated their intent on bringing uh, a product based on that to market, and when they saw the redshift, what what they saw was the opportunity to sort of do more um, with a, with a partnership than uh, do more faster with a partnership than they could do on their own. Um, it's a separate effort than than that bike, and unfortunately, I can't say much more beyond that. Um, but I will say that I'm I have been so blown away with. Uh, the talent, the transparency, the sort of, I, I, my, my background before I started also was I was in client service. So I was developing products for other companies. Um, and so I was always kind of this third party, this consultant. Um, I've never worked with folks that were sort of so open and collaborative and really fantastic. I mean, even the process of kind of Meeting and greeting, getting to know each other, working through, coming up with a partnership agreement, and and then kicking that off. It's been awesome. Um, and and one of the great things is we have really good synergies in that we're both American manufacturers of motorcycles, passionate about the motorcycle space. It's like you know part of our DNA through and through. Granted, they're 110 years older than we are, but you know, the, the sort of the roots and the ethos are there. Um, but, you know, today our brands and our customer sets are really different. And so we, we don't have to sort of compete with each other. Um, but at the same time, I think, I think we go together really well and it might, it might seem weird to some folks. Um, but I think, you know, five, 10 years down the road, it'll make a lot of sense. Right. Well, I think the, uh, for, for, Jumping back to what you said about you know them being very welcoming and them being transparent and stuff, your company doesn't get a hundred plus years old without being able to evolve, right? So, and and I'm a, a fan of that brand. I have been for years. Every street bike I've ever owned had a Harley Davidson motor in it, and uh, you know they don't make dirt bikes, or not yet. And uh, but hey, g- great company. Couldn't be happier for all you guys. Yeah, yeah, the whole team over here is is really excited. Um, I think they are too. Uh, we're you know we're just getting started with them, but um, can't wait to be able to to share more about what we're both up to. Yeah, I read a quote um, when, in a description of the Harley Alta uh, teaming and it's a, of building quote unquote urban electric motorcycles. Do, can you just kind of say what that means? Um. I can't say okay. anything more, unfortunately. Okay. That's fine. I, I, uh, I figured some of it was still a little hush-hush, but we hope, yeah, I was hoping maybe yeah, it slipped. it is. I think, you know, they, they've, uh, they have shared that they have some, some big strategic plans to, to try to bring 2 million more people to the sport, whether they're on Harley-Davidson's or other bikes. Mm-hmm. And that means um, becoming more international, and attracting uh, younger riders and expanding into you know, new places um, that are still green space for for motorcycles. And I, and I will say that both 
Alta and Harley see big opportunity within cities um, to uh, to bring back motorcycles as a as a major form of transportation. Um, I think cities are getting way too crowded for for cars, even with Lyft and Uber and and all that. Um, there's just not that much room on on the streets for the number of people trying to move around. Right. And scooters are really practical, especially in the rest of the world, but they're not all that exciting. <laughs> and, um, you know, we think that, that there are a lot of people out there that want the convenience of being on two wheels, but want to be on something that, you know, actually rips stoplight to stoplight, whips around the corners faster than anything else you can you can be on, get your head up above traffic so you can navigate that uh, gauntlet safely and um, gives you an escape, you know, to the, the canyons when, when you have the time. Absolutely. So um, we'd love to see, yeah, more urban dwellers taking up motorcycles and riding them every day, whether to work or, or for fun. And I, I think a future where you're, like 15, 20 minute rush hour commute is actually the best part of your day. That would be a pretty cool future. Yeah. I like that future. Yeah. Hey, so I got one last question for you. Let's go back to the off-road side. Um, And first of all, you have, looks like you have four models to choose from. You have the new MXR, the base model, the MX, the EX, which is your Enduro cross. And then a um, SM, which is um, like supermoto, I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, so is there anybody, I know right now with AMA rules, you guys are not involved in supercross or motocross, but is there any, um, whether it be Nash, um, GPs or anywhere that a high level pro team or rider is competing with one of your bikes? Yeah. So this year for the first time, we do have a, a factory rider in the past, you know, we've, we've brought folks in for one offs, um, which has worked out well. Uh, this year we sponsored Ty Tremaine in the Enduro Cross Series. So um, I think the, the series starts up later in the year, uh, but he's already been been riding the Alta for um, kind of some of his preseason and regional events. And uh, we think, you know, that that's um, it's uh, it's an up and coming format, um, but it it really shows well what what the Alta can do. And um, we we campaigned it in uh, enduro cross. Which season? I'm trying to remember. In in the past, with with pretty good success. Um, so we have we have tentative uh, high hopes for for how he'll do. He's he's quite a competitor, but um, you know, going up against Colton Hawker and Cody Webb. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys are pretty insanely uh, talented. Hey, Super, Superman would have problems with with both of those two. Yeah. They're, they're legit. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the, the best you can hope for is that they just get caught up, so caught up competing with each other that they forget about the rest of the field. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we really hope to see you guys do well and compete well. And just the fact that you're involved is is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, racing, racing's in our blood. We, yeah. we love to be out there in every format, um, you know, and, and, uh, international. Um, and I think we'll get there eventually. Right now it's about, uh, just, you know, biting off one thing that we can do well and, um, and going from there. 
Well, buddy, the the future looks very bright over there, and uh, I think uh, everybody's excited. There's quite the buzz about. So, uh, but anyways, Mark, we know you're a busy guy. We won't take any more of your time. Sounds like you need to get a little bit of rest. I too need to do the same thing. So uh, we'll, we'll let you go. But thanks again for coming on and chatting with us tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. Great catching up with you guys. All right, thanks, Absolutely. Mark. Absolutely. Have a good night. All right, you too. See you later, buddy. All right. Mark Finnickstein, Alta Motors. That's good stuff, man. I still yeah. would like to ride one of those. I, I, yeah, the, the time's got to come. We've got to figure that out. I'm waiting on TJ to buy one so I can ride <laughs> there it. There you go. Hopefully you know, they'll buy the new one. Yeah, I want him to buy one because so, I don't want to spend the money on it. But he's cheap. so He, yeah, he buy ain't the, buying the new one. He's <laughs> buying the base model. They, somebody. They've dropped a lot, too. I don't know if you know that. Like I think they're down around ten and 12000 You know how they're talking about somebody needing to sell their, their base model to get a new one? Right. Yeah, TJ will be finding one of them. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, so. Uh, <clears throat> All right. But anyways. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump to uh, I think we're gonna end up having one more guest tonight. Yeah, and, we'll just uh, call him without even taking a break. If you're ready. Did all righty, gentleman by the name of Cato Grady, and uh, tell me a little bit about him again. Uh, he's been going to the uh, Scott Atkins Mechanic School. It's called Pro SX MX Tech. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you guys listen to Pulp, you heard him actually recommend that to one of the callers as the only school he would recommend. Um, Scott had a bunch of his. Uh, students at the St. Louis Supercross, and one of them recognized me and talked to me for a little bit. And I don't know, an hour later, he, he was looking for me and he was wondering if I knew anybody that needed a mechanic. And I knew Travis Del Nicky who needed a mechanic for the weekend. So um, Cade got to go wrench for uh, Travis. First time wrenching a pro race of any kind, and he got in the night show, got to experience that. So I thought we'd just talk to him for a few minutes yeah. about – Give him a shout. Let's the see school. what's up. Maybe we can pair the, him up with somebody else. Yeah, the know? school and the um, the experience for the night. So here, we'll call him. So just bear with us. Hello? What's up, Cade? Hey, how's it going? Doing good, man. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Mark. What's up, Mr. Cade? How are you? Doing good, Mark. How about yourself? Oh, I can't complain, man. Life is good. We've uh, been hearing about your big weekend, man. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, man. I have an awesome weekend. Start out with a 10-hour drive down to St. Louis and handed out resumes looking for a job as a mechanic and... Uh, ran into Dark Side and he hooked me up with an awesome guy, Travis Delnecki, and was able to go wrench for him for the weekend. Yeah, Travis is a cool kid, man. We got to chat with him quite a bit in Dallas. I, I like him a lot. He's been on here before, too. Yeah, he's a super nice, super cool guy. Well, tell us a little bit about what you actually did on the bike. How, you know, how, how'd that work? You know, uh, I'm sure you out there with the pit board. Just give us give us a rundown of the what you did for Travis. Yeah, so when I got there, never met the guy before, so kind of just chatted with him, got to know him. Started looking at the bike. There wasn't too much to do. I really just did little stuff, just the clutch a little bit, tighten up the chain, make sure all the bolts and everything was tight so it wasn't just going to fall apart on him, and filled it up with fuel and just made sure it was ready to race. Scraped a bunch of mud off of it so he wasn't racing with a extra 10 pounds of mud on there. And just got it race ready for him and made sure everything was sound so nothing mechanical would happen for him while he was out there racing. 
Well, how about how about motivational uh, quotes or anything? Did you put anything on the board that got that helped him get in the main? I mean, you got to take some credit for him getting, or not the main, but the night show. You got to get take some credit for that. Yeah, that's true. He did say he had his uh, best finish yet, so I think part of that was because of me. But well, absolutely. I, <laughs> I just no, wasn't too much motivation. Just pick it up and hit your marks and just. Stay focused and don't worry about everybody else. Just do what you do and go out there, ride dirt bikes, have fun. Right. Well, let's let, give us a little bit about your background here. You've been going to uh, Scott Atkins um, Pro MX, SX MX Tech. Um, tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, it's uh, Scott Atkins Pro SX MX Tech School. It's down in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. I started it about six months ago, and there's Start first day we split a 2017 Honda CRF 250 motor, split the cases down, went through the transmission, and so from the get go you just you're all into the bikes. We go over every single brand of motorcycle, pull the motor out, completely split the motor apart, every inch of the motors you go through, shows us how to spec them out, just how to build a race motor and just prep everything, and then. We go completely through all the chassis, shows us how to clean them, how to polish everything, and just literally every inch of the bike. He, I like to say he basically teaches us everything but experience. Right. Well, at that point, had you ever split cases before? I mean, obviously you were you had some mechanical background of, of some kind, but have you ever gone that deep into it? I'd never split cases before, no. I'd done top ends and stuff like that, but I was always afraid to go down in the bottom <laughs> end. I've yeah. heard tons of horror stories, but with Scott being there, he's been a mechanic for 12 years on the tour, so as he can tell you, you can hand him a washer, and he'll tell you exactly where it goes on any bike. So when you're with him, you feel completely confident because he teaches you the best way and knows everything about them. Yeah, I like that 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 the school is only focused on motocross, supercross type bikes. There's no street bikes, no four wheelers. You guys are there to basically become professional mechanics, hopefully, and get on the tour. And uh, I got the chance to meet Scott. You introduced me to him, and uh, he was telling me about how many guys he's got working in the paddocks right now. Like, tell me who who all he has in the. Do you remember everybody? That. I don't remember everybody, but he's got uh, Avery. He's out working for Josh, Josh Moseman. He's got Hunter, who's working for Tedder. He's got Nick, that's out working for Vince Freeze and the uh, Motor Concepts Honda team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Short's guy, his mechanic, he went through the school. And that's only the few that I can remember, but he's got all kinds of guys out there in the field. Yeah, it seems like it's a really cool place, and we're going to get Scott on here in the near future. Um, so going into the day, that morning, you guys were going down there just to kind of check it all out. Did you have goals of getting to wrench for somebody that that day? Because when I first met you, you didn't ask me if if I knew anybody that needed one. It was kind of later in the day, or did something just happen where you go, hey, I'm going to try this? I really wasn't expecting anything. I was just out there handing out resumes, hoping that in – two weeks two three weeks or so i get a call and hopefully have a job in the industry somewhere whether it be a privateer or uh, up and coming team or just anything really i just want to go out and wrench for a guy but 
No, it was just pure luck. Everything just fell into place, and it just worked out in my favor pretty good. It was it was an awesome night and an awesome experience. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you got to experience that. I mean, I, I felt fortunate that Travis had actually asked me. We had, we had hooked him up with one of our buddies to wrench for him at Dallas, and he had texted me and said, "Man, I wish you were bringing bringing him with you." And that that kind of when you hit me up, that's the first guy I thought of. So I'm glad it worked out for you. Yeah, me too. It was great. Yeah, Super and your buddy cool your buddy Caden got hooked up with somebody too, didn't he? No, he didn't. He wasn't able to find anybody, but he was trying. Oh, okay, I thought he did. Well, so were you the only one to get to actually work that night? Yeah, I was. Yep, everybody else was pretty jealous sitting there in the stands <laughs> watching me out there working. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad because you you seem like a good dude, and um, you know we don't have a ton of listeners, but if we have any guys that know anybody that you know needs us a motocross, supercross, tech man, Cade Cade's a good dude. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm out there working for it, trying to, trying to get my name out there. Oh, I've got your resume. So if anybody uh, does have that interest, man, you guys know how to hit me up on social media. I've got a copy of it and I would definitely get you in contact with Cade. Mark. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Same here. Uh, if you guys hit either one of us up, we'll, we'll know how to put you in touch with Cade and, uh, so if you need a mechanic for, for your uh, for your race effort, give us a shout. Yeah. Hey, are you going to make any other supercrosses this year, or is that it? I don't think I'm going to be able to. Okay. I'd really like to. Yeah. Travis asked me to come down to one of the other rounds for him, but that's a long haul for me, and I, I don't think I'll be able to make it, but I really wish I could. Well, yeah, I'd say if, if, it, if something works out where you think you can, man, I guess he probably gave you his number, but, yeah, if not, we'll get you in touch. So, yeah. Heck, yeah, that would be awesome. Well, Cade, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're about to wrap this show up for the night. I just want to get you on here and kind of experience, tell us about your experience. And uh, it was really cool meeting you, man. I'm glad you came up and talked to me. Yeah, thank you. It was really nice to meet you, too. And thank you for the awesome opportunity. It was great. Well, it was no problem, man. I didn't do anything but uh, put you in touch with the guy that gave you the opportunity. So we'll, we'll thank Travis for that. So he, he trusted <laughs> you with your skills, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, we don't have to thank Darkside yeah. for anything. <laughs> Cade, <laughs> appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for coming on and chatting with us tonight, man. And good luck with uh, your future. And uh, let us know if we can do anything for you. I will for sure. Thank you, guys. Okay, Cade. Take care, man. You too. All right, guys. Good show tonight. And uh, I am really, really, really needing to go lay on my couch. So I'm going <laughs> to wrap right. it up real quick. But uh, big shout out to All Sport Dynamics, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs. Thanks to Jordan Smith, Chase Marquier, Mark Finnegstein. Cade O'Grady. No thanks to TJ because he's not here, but appreciate it, Dark Side. Good show tonight. Muscle Mark, Dark Side, Moto X Pod Show. See you next week. Later.